0: Hello and welcome back to Delighted Motherhood, a podcast devoted to delighting ourselves in the Lord and enjoying our kids to the glory of God. I'm your host, Kira Nelson, and it's truly a joy to be with you today. Well, today is October 3rd, and I don't think I'm in the minority by saying that October is one of my very favorite times of year. The kids and I right now are memorizing this delightful poem called October's Party by George Cooper. And to set the stage for our discussion today, I'd like to just read this poem to you and I hope that you enjoy it. It goes like this. October gave a party. The leaves by hundreds came. The chestnuts, oaks and maples and leaves of every name. The sunshine spread a carpet and everything was grand. Miss Weather led the dancing, Professor Wind the band. The chestnuts came in yellow, the oaks in crimson dressed. The lovely Mrs. Maple in scarlet looked their best. All balanced to their partners and gaily fluttered by. The sight was like a rainbow, new fallen from the sky. Then, in rustic hollow, at hide-and-seek they played, the party closed at sundown, and everybody stayed. Professor Wind played louder, they flew along the ground, and then the party ended in jolly hands around. So in case you want to go look that up, that's October's Party by George Cooper. So October's Party by George Cooper. And there are lots of things that we love and enjoy about that poem and really get us in the mood for October. But one of the lines that my son Daniel has been fixating on is the fact that the party ended. It was supposed to end, or in any case, but everybody stayed. Everybody wanted to be there and to celebrate this beautiful transition from summer to fall and the sweet changes that the rotation of the earth brings. And this October, I want to throw a great party as well. And I actually do throw a lot of parties for people that don't share my last name. And I love doing that. Hospitality is a really big part of the Nelson family life, and most days we have somebody over that's not in our immediate family, either for dinner or for tea time. But honestly, the parties that I love the most are the parties that focus on, cherish, and celebrate the people I see every day. In my case, that's my husband and my children. In your case, it might be a different group of close people. Sometimes I think those can be the meals that we are most tempted to mail in, so to speak. And there's a blissful comfort in that. There's something so lovely about not having to put on a show or feel like you need to perform and you can just do whatever for the people you love. And that's a good thing. And it does make sense to put some more effort into making a really nice meal if your girlfriend's coming over. And I totally get that. But I also think it's very special and it's a good thing to cultivate these meaningful, snuggly, magical memories with our own dear little family, even if nobody is coming over. And I don't think it has to be super fancy or extravagant. But as the days are getting shorter and our outside time after 5 p.m. is gonna require flashlights, I'm gonna start turning more of my attention to making my table a really cozy space that we all want to gather into and enjoy. I think it's so sweet how Norman Rockwell's painting um, about this family gathered around uh, a home-cooked meal became one of his most famous. I think we're all sort of drawn to that. We too long to gather around a meal as the nights get a little bit longer and the weather gets a little bit colder. And I know that there are a lot of challenges with family meals and we're going to talk about those in the episode today as well, but mostly we're just going to chat together about how dinner time is viewed in the Bible, and then we're going to consider a bunch of different strategies that have worked well for me and I hope may be helpful for you. And again, my family isn't your family, um, and so our circumstances are going to be different. But mostly, let's just chat. Let's talk about how to make October's party so delightful that even when it ends, everybody wants to stay and gather around and enjoy time together. So I hope this is encouraging to you. All right, ladies, So well, let's start chatting about meals and how to make October's party for our little ones and for our, our big ones um, really special and meaningful to both ourselves that so we enjoy them and also for others. And I think the first step to developing um, really a love of, of meals and particularly dinner times that are cozy and snuggled around inside perhaps if it's dark outside as the seasons change is really grounding ourselves in how the lord sees meals and one of the first things i love to think about is just the fact that we don't have to eat like god could have chosen to to make us people that don't need to have to have meals but he created us as dependent upon food and one of the things in scripture that i think is so interesting is that meals and ministry often go hand in hand and that meals aren't aren't just about food obviously food is a part of every meal but there's there's a lot of sweet things that i think we see in scripture about how Meals convey so much more to both the person who is serving the meal often and to the person who is receiving the meal. And I love considering how there are so many examples of really transformational moments that happen in the Bible over food. So if you start all the way back in the opening pages of Genesis, after God creates the man and the woman, he says to them to eat. He gives them this beautiful, overflowing garden and he invites them to eat. Later on in scripture, so Adam and Eve have now been cast out of the garden because of their rebellion against God. And there has been, um, rebellion of all of the hearts of mankind. God has sent a flood to wipe out all of the earth, except for Noah. And then from Noah, the seed of the woman that God promised is carrying on to Abraham. And the Lord is going to establish a covenant with Abraham. And through Abraham, all the nations of the world are going to be blessed. And we're going to see that through Jesus, right? Jesus is the seed of Eve, the promised seed who's going to crush the serpent. And Abraham is in that line. And before the Lord makes this really beautiful and important, covenant with Abraham the Abraham serves a meal to the messengers of the Lord and it's before Abraham who's really old so Abraham would have been very advanced in years as was his wife neither of them had ever had a child and shortly before they find out they're going to have a baby from these messengers from God Abraham serves them a meal and this this child of promise is going to come now in their old age I think it's just so cool to think about. Isn't that amazing? When you think about now, fast forward again, now that the seed of the woman is carrying through the line of Abraham, through his sons, through the patriarchs. Now, Isaac, who's going to be called Israel, has has 12 sons. One of his sons, Joseph, has been enslaved by his brothers and sent to Egypt. But because of God's incredible work in his life, um, Joseph is put in a position to interpret the dream. Of Pharaoh and to become the second in command in the country. And through interpreting the dreams that God gave him, he's able to help prevent a horrible famine from causing just an incredible amount of death. Lord has allowed him to have this position now so where he can protect so many people. And anyway, now all of the Israelites end up in Egypt, a bad fare arises, and now they're they're enslavering Egypt. And before um, they are called out of Egypt, the Lord tells them to share a meal together to prepare their families, the Passover meal. The book of Leviticus is filled with all of these detailed prescriptions for when and how and why the nation of Israel was to feast. These are going to be special times of remembrance. They're times of awe. And they're also to be times just of great joy and eating of a lot of really good, beautiful food. So um, I live in Washington, D.C., or I live outside of Washington, D.C., in a lovely area called Falls Church, Virginia. But we are very close to the city, which is a really fun thing for my kids and I. I think I'll, I'll do an episode at some point about just the fun of adventuring with your kids. So obviously, most people listening to this podcast podcasts don't live in Washington, D.C., but there are adventures to be found everywhere. But one of the adventures we enjoy in Washington, D.C. is going to the Bible Museum, and sometimes they'll have pictures and images to just kind of help you to see how Jewish people would celebrate many of these festivals and how extravagant and over-the-top and just fantastic they really, really are. And I think that's cool to see. God, God, to- The Lord wants us to celebrate and to have these amazing moments. And then if you fast forward from from there, and there are so many more examples of meals that are shared in a really significant way in the Old Testament, but just fast forward with me to the New Testament, and we can see the life of Jesus is characterized by eating and drinking. And he was so characterized by being a person who ate a lot of lovely meals that the religious leaders of his day even called him a glutton, which I think is kind of of funny, (laughs) but It's just cool to see how Jesus was a person who would eat with people and made that a priority. Um, After calling Levi, the tax collector, to follow him, Matthew is going to go on to write one of the four gospel accounts that we have. Jesus immediately goes to his house and eats a, a meal with him and with other sinners. Um, and then, my one of my favorite verses in the Bible that I've shared in this podcast before, but it's from from John thirteen when Jesus says, "Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end," and that just is so deeply encouraging to me. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. But before, though, during that same in that same passage, Jesus is going to commemorate the new covenant before his death through a last supper, shared with the ones he does, loves these loved ones. He's going to love to the end, which I think is so beautiful. And it's also incredibly beautiful to think about Jesus restoring Peter to fellowship with himself over breakfast. So Peter's one of the 12 and even within the 12, he's one of Jesus' closest companions. He's, um, we, when there are three disciples that are pulled out to get to do something amazing, like go and see Jesus transfigured and his glory magnified as he stands with Moses and with Elijah. Um, it's just amazing that Peter, Peter is there. So Peter is there at all these moments when Jesus resurrects a little girl from, from death, um, earlier in the book of Mark. Peter is one of the ones who sees him take her by the hand and say, little one, I say to you, get up. And, but Peter, although he's seen all of this, when Jesus is, is taken to be crucified for our sake, to take in his own body, the penalty for sin that we deserve, Peter is going to deny knowing him on three different occasions. An excruciatingly sad um, account of, of Peter's failure. But once Jesus is resurrected, Jesus is going to restore Peter to fellowship with him, where he's going to ask Peter three times, do you love me? Just like he he denied him three times. And he does that over breakfast. He does that over a, a meal of shared fish, which is beautiful to me. And I think when we just have this picture of how God has used food to shape and mold the hearts of his people throughout his redemptive work in our lives, I think that Helps us to really see just the beauty of meals and how we want to have an October's party where everybody wants to stay, and that we should be striving for these lovely meals with our families. Even when we have nonverbal babies and toddlers, we are modeling the heart of Jesus when we are doing these things. And so I think it's just really meaningful and really important. So when I'm thinking about um, mealtime, I think it's important to begin working on developing this heart for, for meals earlier in the day. So the first step to having this lovely October's party where everybody wants to stay is my time with the Lord. And it's pretty obvious when I have not had time with the Lord, I can be a pretty hormonal person. I've shared that before in the episode about, um, PMS struggles, but it, I yeah, I, I really need my time with the Lord. I am not superwoman. And so when I have had time to pray and be in the word, that's actually going to equip me to be able to be patient, to be kind, and to be service-oriented, to have a heart that desires to nurture my family. So I think the first step for us, at least for me, in having a beautiful meal is going to be developing God's heart for mealtimes and having my time alone with the Lord, um, earlier in the day so that I am ready to love my family well and to serve them in this way. Another thing that I think is important for us to think about is prioritizing togetherness. Okay. So just remember that this is me and I'm sharing what works for me and it's not going to work for everybody. And I fully, fully recognize that. Okay. But I think there is something helpful about prioritizing having a chance to have dinner together. So like I talked about earlier, uh, Americans on a whole, on an average, have like two to three meals together per week. And that's because there are all these different reasons they could not happen, right? There are conflicting work schedules. Commutes can be really challenging. People are working late. um, Kids have lots of sporting events. Little ones want to go to bed earlier. There are a lot of reasons why it can be hard to get everybody who lives in your house gathered around the table at the same time. And it might be the case that there's really nothing that you can do about it. But something just to pray about and consider is if you could ask your spouse to brainstorm with you how you might be able to work uh, commitments and sports schedules in such a way that you can sit down as dinner together as a family. So again, this is going to look different for everybody. Um, I will just say my husband who is pretty magical. I, he really is very magical, but he's, um, he's an attorney in Washington DC and he works a lot. Um, he works like a lot, but he is really kind about um, working after the kids are in bed, sometimes even for like three hours or longer. But, but so, so we do have the chance to sit together around the table and for my son to get to talk to his dad and see his dad interacting and sharing, as we're going to talk about in a second, sharing highs and lows. So I, I just want to mention this as something to maybe talk to your spouse about and to consider how you could have togetherness, and even if your husband, just to to prioritize this, to see this as really a a thing that matters and is meaningful and is important. Um, Another thing that I would say is that I think it's helpful to pray and to ask God to provide the ability to have meals together And then to make sacrifices if necessary to make this happen. So maybe it means that you can't do all of the sports that we might want to do. Or maybe it means that we're going to have to deal with various other things, but to consider ways to sacrifice so that we can all be sitting around the table together. The next thing I'll mention is that I think it's really helpful as a mom to have people help you with a meal. Now, I I know it's totally true that little kids are sometimes hard to have help, but it has been said before that if we always do everything by ourselves, then we're always going to do everything by ourselves. And as hard as it is to have little kids help us, I have been really thankful to see how my, my kids are beginning to contribute more and more and are meaningfully helping me to get things ready for, for dinner. So I think we can ask kids to help make the table lovely and pretty. Um, can ask them to, to set the table. I ask my kids to clear the table. They'll load the dishwasher. Um, they they can do jobs in, in the kitchen like cut tomatoes with a dulcerated knife. They fill water cups. They love to peel shrimp. Uh, various other Other sorts of things like that, but I think it is helpful to try to get kids and then other adults that live with you to help you on the front end and the back end. So it's a meal that you're doing together, you're collectively doing. So it doesn't feel as much like mommy is just the one slaving, um, in the kitchen. And to that end, I would also strongly recommend, again, this is me. So please just know these are my recommendations, but I would strongly recommend waiting until everyone is sitting before beginning. So I think what I've noticed in other homes a lot is moms are so service oriented and are so kind. And so they serve all the kids, their meals, and the kids are just devouring their food. And then the mom frazzled and exhausted finally sits down to eat her meals. And then the kids are like, all right, peace out. I've ate my food and they run off to do whatever. But I feel like when that happens, it feels less like a family gathering and more just like the mommy restaurant. And trust me, I totally understand screaming toddlers. (laughs) My son, John, is really good at screaming. Um, And it can be really hard to train your baby to wait. Um, But I think training them to wait or just distracting or redirecting them until everyone is seated so we can all begin eating together is really beautiful. And then also related to that is starting with prayer. So wait until everyone is seated. And then ask God's blessing on the meal and make it more than a formality, right? Because after all, God is the model for table fellowship. So we can pray to the Lord and we can ask him to really bless our time with our little loves and our big loves and everybody. The next thing I'll say is to incorporate some ceremony. So this is really just a cure thing, but it's something that I love to do. But I think when we make our mealtimes special, when we don't just make them ugly or just throw stuff on the table and call it good, but when we make it special, I think that we are demonstrating that it's a sacred and a special place. And when you just consider the numerous instructions for Israelite feasts. I think he really see that God gave us senses and he wants us to delight them. He wants us to think find things beautiful. Like he gave us all this beauty that's all around us all the time. And I think that points to the fact that we are people who should lean into that a little bit. Um so for me, I like to make my table really, really pretty. And this is going to look different across cultures and families. And it certainly shouldn't be extravagant or, um, feel burdensome in any way. But in my family, I love to have candles on the table. My husband is allergic to scents. So we do unscented candles, but we have a variety of different candles. So I have some just like, um, little short candles in glass. And then I have this pretty little candle holder. That's like a pewter style for like a a big thick candle, um, that can go on that looks really pretty. Some other things that we love to use are just natural elements. So in the fall, something really pretty to decorate your house with are like acorns, just like have your kids go gather a bunch of acorns. And those can be used as like a centerpiece. I love boxwood. I think boxwood is just really pretty. Um, and so I'll often cut some book boxwood from our bushes outside and, and just like stick them in like a little a little glass. I actually love yo- these yogurts that come in glass jars and they're like the perfect size to stuff some boxwood in or some grasses or whatever and then stick it on your table and just a little bit of natural green from outside and those candles oh my goodness, it feels like a wedding all of a sudden. It feels so pretty. And it doesn't take a lot of time. It's super, super fast. But that lovely natural centerpiece brings the outside in. And it also helps me see the seasons because I'm grabbing something from the outdoors. So maybe it's some leaves or whatever, um, just something or like, you know, maybe some red berries on a bush. But bringing that to my table, for me, makes me just excited to be there. And then I love to use pretty dishes. Um, so just, yeah, I think just picking out what's good for you. So like I have some dishes that have foxes on them that I think are so cute that I found at Home Goods, and, um, some others that have deer on them. And then as I've mentioned before, I find place plates on the side of the road too, which is kind of a fun perk in my neighborhood. This one lady just like leaves dishes outside sometimes, but I think it's fun to make our, our tables really pretty. So I think maybe just brainstorm, like how can I make my table feel like a party? How can I make it feel like an acorn party? Well, I'm going to put acorns around and I'm going to let my kids decide what we're going to use. And we're going to use these pretty plates and maybe we're going to go to Goodwill and we're just going to pick out random cute dishes that don't match but that feel like fun to us and that we really don't care if they break. Because that is another thing I'll say is we break a ton of dishes in my house. Um so if you give me a dish, just know it doesn't have a long shelf life. But I'm kind of a firm believer that pretty things should be used and they should be used up and they should break. Because if we're not using them and we're not enjoying them, then what's the point of them? Um, so find them inexpensively, find them at a thrift store or at a discount store like Marshall's or HomeGoods where you aren't bothered if they get cracked or smashed and then make your table a place that you are really excited to go and spend some time in. And then when we're at our tables, I also love to think about asking intentional questions. So the question that we do every single night um, and that really gets a lot of good conversation going is roses and thorns, where just every person at the table says the highlight of their day and the low light of their day. And at some point along the way, I don't know when this happened, Daniel decided that on Fridays, we all got to have unlimited roses. So Fridays a day, we can share any number of roses we want. And honestly, any day they want to share lots of roses, they can. But they do kind of police that. You get one rose and one thorn. But that's been a really sweet thing for us because it gets everybody talking. Even if you don't feel like talking, you got to share your rose and your thorn. And it helps us to know kind of what went on in the day. And there have been a few times specifically one time I'm thinking of when my son said something as a thorn that I was surprised about. And it was just sort of a a, a nice time for me to learn about that and um, yeah, to have some really sweet moments. And the reality is that it's not always going to be magical. It's not always going to be the kind of thing that everyone wants to stay and huddle around the big turkey like in the Norman Rockwell painting. But the thing is, I think the more that we push towards this kind of thing, the more we prioritize it, the more we incorporate some ceremony I've just been delighted how with my little family, and I don't know how things are always going to go, but in this season I'm in right now, how I will, I will have a lot of really sweet, magical moments with my kids where I'll like look over and they're having a a sweet conversation about something and just powering through the pasta, getting it smeared all over their faces and, um, yeah, it, it does not look idyllic all the time. There's a lot of tantrums. There's a lot of issues. We, we're a normal family, but I've just been encouraged that it can be a really sweet, a really good thing. Um, and then to that end, I think it's also helpful to set some expectations at the table. And again, this is my family, not yours. So you're going to figure out what works best for you but it helps me to determine in advance what kind of behavior I want my kids to exhibit when they're at the family table. So a few things for us are that we're going to wait, like I mentioned before, we're going to wait to eat until we're sitting down. we got to all wait till we're sitting down and we pray before we're going to eat. And we're going to try to listen while other people talk. And you have to eat some of the food that's on your plate. So if mommy makes it, you cannot just say, I'm not going to eat it. You have to have a certain number of bites. So, um, at a certain point we are doing the age you are is the number of bites you have to have before you can say, no, thank you. I think James got that from somebody at his work, but they're, you know, different families are going to have different things. And maybe that's not that important to you to have that be, um, a rule. And that can be a hard rule to enforce totally get that. But, uh, for me, that's really, that's been really sweet. I think it's helpful to kind of set the expectations and then to know that our kids are not always going to follow those expectations. And that isn't, that shouldn't cause us anxiety. And we are not responsible to make our children act like perfect little people. And I think it even helps us kind of shoot forward to, we are not responsible for ultimately how they turn out, right? That is on the Lord. If they become the next Charles Spurgeon, that's not because we were awesome. That's because the Lord sovereignly chose to use them in that way. And if Their story is one that deeply wounds us later and our hearts are broken over that. Again, that's the Lord's sovereign hand. So we do not, we are not responsible for how our kids End up, right? And in the same way, we cannot make our kids be perfect little people all the time. But I think we can, by God's grace, foster an environment where grace can thrive. So we can say, this is what we are expecting. And at the table, this is what we're going to try to do. And little by little, I think as we persevere in this, our families are going to grow, grow in love around the table. And then, again, related to that, all of these are kind of related. It's kind of all one stream of thought here. But the dinner table is a sweet time to extend grace to to one another and to ask for forgiveness. So, Kira Nelson is a big sinner. Surprise, surprise, surprise. Everyone in my family is deeply aware of this fact. And um being a mom to little kids is my absolute favorite thing in the world. I mean delighted motherhood, right? I love being a mom to little kids. But they are hard, man. (laughs) Like Sometimes I am so fried by the end of the day, and I have sinned lots and lots and lots and lots. And I'm very humbled by my sin. And I've been encouraged that the dinner table is a place of grace for me. It's a place for me to just sit down and (laughs) remember the mercy of God for me. That though I am a sinner, I am saved by the grace of God alone that it is not by works of righteousness that I'm saved, but it is because of his mercy that I am saved. So I can apologize to my kids at the table for being angry at them or for being short with them or whatever it was. And then it can also be a place for them to apologize to me. And really over and over again, when I sit down at the table, I need to remember, and I pray that you remember also that we are not saved on account of the idyllic life that we've created for our kids. It is a joy to create an idyllic life. It is a joy to strive for those things. There's a reason why it's called idyllic. Like we all, That's what we all really want, right? But we're not saved by that. We're not saved by our efforts. We're saved through the work of Jesus Christ on the cross. He was the one who loved his own, who were in the world, and he loved them to the end. Isn't that incredible? That's what he said before he shared a meal with them. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree. And in the same way that a beautiful meal helps us to see warmth and inclusion and family, when Jesus went to the cross, he was cut off for us. He was cut off from relationships horizontally with human beings. And he was also cut off from vertical relationship with his heavenly father. And he did that so that we could be reconciled. So we would never have to experience the wrath of God for our sins, the sins that we would commit that very day, right? The very day that we're sitting down to dinner. And I think just allowing these things to wash over us again and again and again is so, so important. Because when we're called to faithfulness, when we're called to love as mothers, there's a deep, just freeing humility that comes in, in that knowing that it's not because of us, that anything is going to be accomplished. It's all because of Jesus. So when we work towards these things, we aren't working towards these things to save ourselves or to save our kids. We're working towards these things because they're beautiful, good gifts that our heavenly father has provided for us and says, delight in these things, enjoy these things that I have given and walk in faithfulness with me endure in the road that you've been called to. So all that to say, I love October. I love meal times. I love my kids. I love things being beautiful. I love things being magical. And I just pray and I invite you to make October a party that nobody wants to leave. That everybody wants to stay out until <laughs> until the the, the the wind is playing and playing and playing and just everyone wants to stay because it's so delightful and so magical. So I'm going to I'm going to pray for us now and then we'll we'll move on to the next things that we have in our day. Well, dear Lord, I thank you so much for for this podcast. Thank you for the ability to chat with one another through technology. Lord, I do pray for our October meals and our November meals as the nights get colder. Lord, help us to enjoy each other. Help us to enjoy our families, um, to delight ourselves first and foremost in you, but also to enjoy mealtimes and pretty dishes and delicious food and to do all these things to your glory. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Well, until next time, sisters, may we delight ourselves in the Lord as we delight in the calling that He is giving us.